Obviously, I'm 24. Damn it, he, 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 mean, he means talking trotters. But eventually he explained to Paula Radcliffe that he had to take a sample for a drug test. Blah blah terrorist, blah blah bomb, blah 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 US soil, blah blah US soil. Don't let me down, Bauer, you're our best guy, blah blah US soil. Oh look, a new guy's come to the camp, bet he's probably pretty safe, right? Yeah, sure, fine. Oh look, sinister shot at the end of last episode. Got you again. Sixth series. We even got a spin-off now, bitch. Insert Game of Thrones spoiler gag here. No. I am your father. Okay, that that lost its way pretty quickly. Hmm. Scientists discovered that if Ben Carson and Jose Mourinho ever come into contact, the two opposing states of pure bullshit will result in a total annihilation and small explosion. And in foreign policy news, China are bad, ISIS is worse, Russia isn't as bad as it used to be, or is it? Who knows? But at home, Tim Sherwood is still a slag. It's the 29th of October, and you're listening to Talking Trotters. Hello and welcome to Talking Trotters, I'm Alice's Sledge and we're back. We've got a great show for you tonight, but first, what the bloody hell has been happening? The FIFA presidential elections kicked off this week as the candidates were announced. One of them is currently suspended while being investigated for corruption, one is being accused of human rights violations and one hosted the South African version of The Apprentice. Nothing quite like a fresh start. This comes on top of the news this week that the Russian 2018 bid had already been decided before the vote was taken. Sepp has a friend in Vladimir Putin, however, who took to the stage in the preliminary draw for the World Cup to say that his buddy was deserving of a Nobel Prize. All it would have taken to complete the Legion of Doom on that stage would have been Abu Qatada or Kylo Ren, the baddie in the new Star Wars film, who may or may not be Luke, depending on how much ball-to-the-wall internet lunacy you consume on a day-to-day basis. Of course, some of you may not be excited for the new film, depending on your vicinity to the person who is and wants everyone to talk and know about it all the time and ruin it for pretty much everyone else. If you're thinking, there isn't a guy like that at my workplace slash place of residence slash preferred dining establishment, then I'm afraid it's probably you. Chelsea's form goes from bad to worse to the delight of pretty much everyone. Mourinho, the Kanye West of football managers, claimed that life is fantastic and that Chelsea are proving their critics wrong after losing to Stoke. Trying to get him to speak sense is like talking to geese. The lesser of the two, Dan Murphys, the one that's on Match of the Day, said that Jose was bringing shame to the club, which is pretty rich considering it's captained by a racist who slept with his teammate's girlfriend and owned by a man who fiddled with an election for cut prices at a rigged auction for oil assets. Tim Sherwood was also fired this week by Aston Villa. I was surprised to hear that this was controversial, because some argue that he didn't have enough time, but managers have been fired over shorter periods, and they were on a six-game losing streak. He seemingly passed a sweet shop on his way home after selling Aston Villa's Pristian Benteke and lost all of the money there, eventually getting round to sign players that no one even knew were in the league. Tactics Tim's time ran out. 
However, he'll be yapping about being single-handedly responsible with discovering England's future in Jack Grealish and Harry Kane on final score quicker than you can say second-to-none win ratio. Before we wrap up this half, I'd just like to say a quick note on tax credits. This is a football podcast, I know, but this is something that really did royally piss me off this week. Karen Brady, vice chairman of West Ham, voted for the cutting of child tax credits. Despite the bill being defeated in the Lords, I still think that, as an institution, it's absolutely bonkers. The House of Lords is a little bit like the FIFA of UK politics, as it is an organisation with serious power riddled with bribery and filled with big names that have more time than they do sense. I guess what angers me is the fact that Brady and the West Ham board milked the government for about £700 million pounds, but she believes that the lowest earners in society should be forced to make their own way. The deal, the stadium deal this is, which I covered before, means that public money is spent on the corner flags. However, she believes that money shouldn't be used to protect the most vulnerable in society. Even Sebastian Coe, who secured the Olympic bid and represents the interests of sport in the House of Lords, supposedly voted for the cuts. Other rich twats who voted for making families poorer include Andrew Lloyd Webber, a composer who I have massive respect for. That made it even harder to swallow when he flew from New York to London overnight, the cost of which will probably be claimed on expenses in addition to the £300 he got for signing in to vote. He voted to make the poor poorer. He has voted 30 times in the last 14 years, despite having almost 1,800 opportunities to. To be fair, that is a conversion rate that a Bolton striker would be proud of. His music has often reflected his views. If you listen carefully, you can hear his attitude into the poor in Don't Cry For Me, Argos Cleaner, and his attitudes to cut in Any Dime Will Do. The notion that sports people and composers should have a binding vote in welfare policy is absolutely insane. So what the hell is wrong with people? I'd like to finish with a quote from Brady's homepage. You can't determine where you start in life, but you can determine where you'll end up. Ah, so true. This is why, to the vice chairman of a football club, poverty is a choice, and we should help them by forcing them to pay higher taxes on their lower incomes. So, how can we stand by when a football club owned by a property-developing former pornographer is robbed of the chance to self-improve as a whole bundle of public money is parachuted in by the supposed high-pay, low-tax, low-welfare state? Besides, whilst government money is going to West Ham, families' finances are going south. We'll be right back. Alright, welcome back. Now, over the last two weeks, a lot of stuff has happened. More specifically, this stuff. Corner kick to uh, Wanderers. This is over on their right-hand side. It's Jose Casado who will take it. Left-footed in towards the near post. It's not cleared in the... Ch- yes! Get it! Bolton drew 1-1 to Leeds in our most recent home game. It centred around two things, the first of which was Amiobi's goal. When the signing of Schoeler Amiobi was announced on Friday, many believed it was a bizarre and pointless move. Some idiot on the line of Vienna Suite wrote that beggars can't be choosers, but Jesus Christ. Schoeler fired home from Casado's poor cross to score on his debut after coming on as a sub, a little bit like Heskey. The question is now whether our striker search is over, but only time will tell. It was quite impressive that he managed about 70 minutes on tired legs, especially considering he hadn't played professional football for at least six months. Will it continue? Who knows. But Shola Amiobi? More like Gola Amiobi, am I right? 
<laughs> oh, Christ, I hate myself. The second incident was in a penalty box. Unfortunately, it was theirs. Prince was adjudged to have failed Antonucci in the box, a decision which will baffle me for years. Even if it was a penalty, which it wasn't, it definitely was not a red card. Prince, who has been one of our best defenders so far, will now miss the Preston North End game. In other wondrous news, Luke Bratton has signed on a loan deal from Manchester City. He joined City from Brisbane Raw and immediately joined us on loan, having made 91 appearances for the Raw in the Australian A-League, scoring four goals. He has been described as the Stuart Holden of Australia, which is nice to hear. The deal expires at the beginning of January, but as he is 25 years old and is unlikely to break into the City team, we might as well enjoy him while we have him. I would say he is here to replace Trotter, but frankly no one even knew what purpose Trotter served anymore. That leads us on to the news that Trotter has finally joined Forrest on a loan deal. That got wrapped up last week after Forrest had to juggle their financial fair play rules. Chris summarised Trotter's flaws to the delight of Radio Nottingham's listeners, and in the end, I don't think we'll miss him. It's just amusing that Friedman still apparently doesn't like to shop at former clubs. Finally in transfer news, Hayden White joined Blackpool on a loan deal. Blackpool are currently near the bottom of League One. White scored on his debut, as did Trotter, which was Hayden's first career goal. I like Hayden White, but apparently not a lot of other people do. And now for the under-21 wrap-up with our very own Tom Malloy. After what must seem like an absolute age to all my adoring fans, I'm back with round-ups of four, yes, four under-21 games. However, I hasten to add that I've actually only been to one of them. Sue me. So when I left, you were just beating Millwall 2-0 with Clayton scoring on his return from injury, and Pisano, Wheater, and everyone's favourite Nottingham Forest midfielder Liam Trotter also featuring. The next game was much less glamorous, and away tie Ipswich saw us lose 2-1. Alex Samazade, the proud record holder of the penalty shootout challenge at the National Football Museum, made his first start and surprise surprise got on the score sheet, but it wasn't enough and we fell to a rarely defeat. Next up came the match that I actually went to at the glamorous surroundings of the Reebok, sorry, Macron Stadium. We beat Charlton Athletic 2-1 with goals from Liam Trotter and Rob Holding. Interestingly enough, not many people were clamouring for Trotter's inclusion in the first team after what usually happens when people score in the reserves. This was also the first time I got to see Samazadi in the flesh. He got a very encouraging cameo and his bulldog-like approach was reminiscent of a young Iranian Carlos Tevez. He is very slight in stature though, so I suppose only time will tell if he can translate his game to a senior level. Next next came a seven goal cup thriller, which I'm absolutely gutted I missed, due to my old Tom Fuller. Get it? Tom Fool get it. As this tie wasn't actually written in my diary. However, we were on the wrong side of a four three scoreline against Sheffield United. Sam is scoring something like his thirty eighth goal in five appearances. George Newell and John Siberio also got on the score sheet, but it wasn't quite enough as we were knocked out in the second qualifying round. Kane Woolery made his first home appearance against Birmingham City last week, and whilst he struggled with the physicality of senior football as we chased the game, his drop back down to reserve level on Monday ended with a hat-trick for the former Tama frontman. However, also like the front team, Woolery's goals weren't enough, a late equaliser cancelling them out in a 3-3 draw. Some other talking points are that after going on about how much we need a natural right-back in the summer, Neil Lennon signings Laurie Wilson and Francesco Pizzano both started the game. Interesting. While Sterrick continues at centre-back for the first team. Also, as you may have noticed from this round-up, Jamie Thomas has now gone over a month without scoring. Hopefully he scores again soon, if only to keep his Twitter and Instagram busy. Next up for the Young Whites is Crew. 
away again and our next home game will be at Hull City so hopefully I'll be able to give you a little more insight on that. I've been Tom Loy and you're listening to Talking Trotters. Finally tonight, abuse the news. First up this week is a story from Portsmouth when a member of the crowd was called in at half-time to be the fourth official in a league fixture. One of the referees was injured and so the tannoy asked for a volunteer. Some guy in jeans came down and operated the electronic substitution board and did a sterling job. His name was Mike Hurdle and he is a goddamn hero. Up against that is another tale from Wickham, my hometown. Matt Ingram got lobbed this weekend from 70 yards against Stevenage. Ingram used to go to my school, John Hamden, and comes in occasionally to coach the keepers. Again, my ever-poetic friend Michael called it a pain in the goddamn arse. The winner this week is going to be the refereeing incident. The winner this week is going to be the refereeing incident, just because I'll get hit if I don't. All right, that's our show. My thanks, as always, to Tom Malloy. The show will return every fortnight from now on, and it'll allow me to keep my head above water enough to not drown, but still flap around enough for you all to deem it entertaining. There is still time to vote for us in the Football Blog Awards, best club blog category. So tell your friends, neighbours, and co-workers about that. Kevin Davies couldn't be with us here this week as he attended the opening show of U2's UK tour and lost his phone. He's still there trying to get it back, but he still hasn't found what he's looking for. I've been Alistair Sledge. Good night. <laughs>